The Leaderpreneur Show, Episode 34, Communicating Performance Reviews and Behind the Scenes. Let's go. Welcome back, my friends, to The Leaderpreneur Show the podcast for leaders to deepen their knowledge while exploring an entrepreneurial journey of their own. I'm your host, Stephen Faust, and I'd like to personally thank you today for taking the time to join us for some leadership discussion and learn how we are operating our online businesses behind the scenes. If you like the show, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by going to leaderpreneurshow.com and smashing that subscribe button. You can subscribe on any of the podcast directories out there. So just pick the one that works best for you. And we'd be honored to have you as a regular listener. Today, as always, I'm joined by my great friend, my co-host, my partner in crime. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. He's Michael Tanner. Hey, Michael, how is it going this week, sir? Stephen, I am doing fabulous. How about yourself? Uh, happy Memorial Day weekend to you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for your service as a ex, I can't say ex-Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Marine, always a Marine. Yes, we're former Marines. Yes. Yeah. I'm right. former Army, so I'm ex-Army. See, I'm uh, ex-Army. You're just a former Marine. <laughs> no, no, you'll be an Army guy always. Yeah, well, sure. there's always something that you'll always have on me is that I'm, I'm an Army yeah. guy. Yeah, well, not everybody, you know, can can be a Marine. That's, hey, you know, just real quick, there's something very, very fortunate that I have uh, during this Memorial Day season. Um, I live about, uh, let's see, it's probably about six miles from the Georgia National Cemetery. Uh, And so, obviously, during Memorial Day weekend, I I can't, I think they do it maybe the Thursday before, but they put uh, flags out at every single uh, uh, headstone. And of course, you know, the, the cemetery is, is built out the way you would expect it at Arlington with the, you know, all the same headstones and they're in alignment and all that. And so it's just become a tradition that uh, on Memorial Day morning, I'll get up and I'll go over there uh, and just all the flags out there and everything. It's just really phenomenal to see. Uh, my dad is there. My father-in-law is there. Uh, and so it's it's meaningful to me that to get up on Monday morning of a Memorial Day and, and head up there, and it's only just right down the road for me. So um, those that are listening that, that can find a national cemetery somewhere, you don't have to go to Arlington. Almost every state has one. You definitely need to go see it. It's something to see both at Memorial Day and at Christmas when they put the, the wreaths on the stones as well. That's, that's awesome as well. So I'm looking forward to doing that on Memorial day morning. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, a lot of people put in a lot of effort volunteers and otherwise, and to get, yeah. to get those cemeteries, national cemeteries and things looking the way they do. It's impressive. I have my flag out on my, my home uh, flying proudly out front. Our mm-hmm. entrance of our neighborhood is, uh, you know, lined with flags. I came home, I think it was, was it Thursday or Friday? And um, I just noticed that, man, somebody just put the bunting on our gates and they put the flags line. It's just just pretty cool. So it's always, uh, this and Veterans Day are always cool holidays for, for everyone, and especially guys like you and I. Yeah, I totally agree. 
how are we going to get this down to a crisp 30 minute episode? So we're going to figure that out. I don't know if we'll get there or not, but we're going to give it our best. But today, what is on the docket? This is the this is the month of May. This is our last episode in the month of May. And as you know, May was the month of communication in our podcast episode. So we're going to be finishing up today with something here that you're going to share with us. And then we're going to be moving next month into another topic that we'll get into later on. Yeah. So we've been talking communications all this month. We've talked about, you know, group communications. We've talked about sharing bad news. Today, we're going to talk about performance reviews. How, what's the proper way to communicate in the midst of a performance review. So you as a leader, you're sitting down with a team member and uh, you have the task of giving them a performance review. And so we're going to talk about some of the dynamics uh, and some of the the points that you need to cover or, or you need to ensure that you utilize as you communicate with your team member during a performance review. How's that sound? Sounds good. And it's quite timely also as we come up in the, the middle part of the year and a lot of organizations and companies do mid-year reviews and checkpoints. So I think it'll be very timely to talk about this. So I'm ready to rock. Yeah. So let's, the first bullet point I want to talk about is kind of the, uh, the frequency of these performance reviews. Uh, you and I have talked about uh, the importance of one-on-one meetings and and how it was so important to have them on a uh, on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, maybe weekly, every other week, something like that. Um, well, I feel I feel like far too often performance reviews are neglected, and oftentimes they're only done they're only conducted on an annual basis, and that's only because the organization, the business, the company kind of forces the matter, right? Maybe they have some type of performance review uh, cycle that, you know, maybe it's uh, the first few weeks in January or maybe it's, uh, you know, in December and, and it's, a, it's a look back on the, on the previous year and, and it's the only time of the year that, that, uh, that you do these performance reviews. And I think, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big mistake on the part of leaders. If you really want to understand how to communicate, properly communicate performance and performance reviews, you got to recognize that you need to do this on a consistent basis. You need to do this on a a frequent basis, not once a year. Uh, And you mentioned even media reviews. I would submit to you that twice a year is not even enough. You, You know, maybe I would be okay with once a quarter if you wanted to do it once a quarter, but I think it's okay to talk performance reviews even more frequently than once a quarter. And and in fact, what I tend to try to do is I try to incorporate them into my regularly scheduled one-on-one meetings with my team members. You know, I'll just kind of mention, hey, let's talk a little bit about performance, right? Uh, And so I would submit to you that my first bullet point is that you've got to do this on a probably a much more frequent basis than your company or your team or your business is kind of forcing. You want to do it much more frequently than that. Yeah. What I think about performance reviews is a lot of people think we mean those formal times each year that you sit down, you give a document, you go through the the eight different areas, you have it signed, you submit it to HR, it goes into their file, it drives their raises, their merit increases, things like that. Sure, that is an aspect of what we're talking about, but what we're really underneath that is performance reviews does not have to and should not be tied to those one or two formal 
sit-down discussions that your company, and think about this word, requires, requires you to do in most cases because they figured out long ago that if they don't require it, chances are that most leaders, most people won't naturally get there on their own. But what we're talking about and what what Michael is is indicating very clearly here is that through your other ways of connecting and building relationships and engaging the team and all of those things that we've unpacked and talked about over the course of these prior 33 episodes, it's about the relationship you have and using that through your one-on-ones and your ongoing interactions that you have, because everyone that listens to this is a great leader. And everyone that listens to this knows that it takes more than just a couple conversations a year. So it's the frequency of the two formal or one formal or three formal times a year, plus all of the intermittent engagement that you have through one-on-ones and your other uh, interactions with your team members to really communicate performance, communicate things that are going well, things that could be improved, uh, wins and losses and things that will make the team better and the individual better. That's what we're really talking about here. And that's where you're going to find the true value and how to best communicate performance feedback. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most important aspects of doing these performance reviews in a, in a frequent manner. And again, to some of the points you're making, I'm not talking about a formal sit down documented formal, uh, you know, performance review. I'm just talking about in this, the relationship or in this, uh, normal communication dialogue that you have with these individuals, you just talk about performance. One of the most important things about doing that in a frequent manner is that you avoid surprise. You know, performance reviews, they have two sides. You're either talking to someone about the great performance that they have, or you're talking to someone about the lack of performance that they have, right? So their, their performance is poor in some way. I believe one of the worst things that you can do to one of your team members is surprise them with bad news about their performance, especially if you're at a point as a leader that you're wanting to take action as a result of that poor performance, and you're going to tell them for the first time that you're taking that action and now they're surprised by that, that's failure on your part as a leader. That's not a, you know, yes, they may have bad performance, but that's failure on your part that you've shocked them. You've surprised them. You know, I think it was when we talked about our one-on-ones as well as communications, we talked about uh, that it needed to be timely. It needs to be timely. And so when you first start to see indications of poor performance, you need to have conversations with that person right away about these are indications of poor performance. Because if you have it with them right away, they're not surprised by it, right? So So for instance, one of my project managers comes to me and they start talking about, oh, well, I let this project start to run late. Well, if I pretty much right away start talking to them about performance, well, hey, it's important. We keep these projects on task. You know, that's that's your job. You're the project manager. Keep these things on track. So if I'm right away talking to them about the performance of that, they're not surprised by it. They're not shocked by it. If I wait a year and then I get in a formal performance review and I say, do you remember 11 months ago when you let a project go sideways and you let it be a month late, well, I need to put you on a performance improvement plan because you let that project go late 11 months ago. 
Well, now they're shocked. They're surprised. But if I'm doing this on a frequent basis and I'm doing it timely, when I see the lack of performance, then nobody's surprised. Nobody's shocked. And if it ever does, you know, if it does evolve to the point of needing to take some type of action around, um, you know, a performance improvement plan, or even maybe I've got to fire them. Maybe I can lay them off. Um, they're not surprised by that. They see it coming because we've had these ongoing conversations on a frequent basis about their performance. Well, I think of the, the, the surprises. First of all, surprises are never a good thing. And when you do that, there are two extremes that can happen, in my opinion. One extreme is you're not satisfied with one or more elements of their performance and you lose the opportunity to provide that feedback when you decide not to over this whatever period of time and you choose not to provide that, which creates this surprise and you've lost all of this opportunity to uh, mitigate it, to potentially salvage this relationship or salvage the project or otherwise improve the situation and get them back on track, which is a huge loss, a huge miss from a leadership standpoint. The other side of the equation is if you have a superstar and you are not giving them regular feedback, reinforcing the positives that they bring to the organization and the value that they bring, you've missed an opportunity to really keep them engaged, keep them motivated, keep them driving forward, have them take it even to another level of success. And you've surprised them by not providing them with that positive feedback. And there are two extremes to this. Both are negative, but one, you lose the opportunity to correct and mitigate. And the other, you lose the opportunity to foster and further develop. And those are, those are two extremes, but very important when it comes to surprises. Yeah, that's a very good point, uh, Stephen. I mean, it it goes in both directions, right? And this need for frequent performance review feedback, it goes both directions. If you've got a person who's lacking in performance, but they don't know it, you know, well, they're just going to keep repeating the behaviors that they, you know, that's giving them the poor performance if you don't let them know. But then you've got a rock star over here, but you never tell him he's a rock star. And so he's constantly worried about, well, am I doing okay? Am I not doing okay? And he you know, he's, he's likely to, or she's likely to kind of change up their game or do some things differently and to, to try to get some feedback. And, and so, yeah, you've got a rock star, tell them that, give them that performance review on a regular basis. Don't wait a year from now when you got some formal performance review to say, Hey, you're, you're knocking it out of the park. No, tell them early and often so that they'll keep doing those things. Uh, And then, so second bullet point I want to share with our audience is, um, uh, around what you're going to share with them, whether it's good or it's bad performance that you're referring to, you want to be very, very objective in your communication with your team member. You want to make sure that your comments about their performance is measurable, right? So if you can come up with a, a way to communicate the measurement of their performance, then you know you're being objective. If you can't, determine a way to describe the measurement of that performance, now you're probably being subjective and that's not helping anybody. Okay. So a a couple of examples of this, and I talked a little bit earlier about having project managers and when, and project managers, man, they live and breathe the dates in their project plan, right? 
And so that's very measurable when you can look at a date and say, we were supposed to hit this milestone on this date, but that milestone was two weeks late. That's very, very measurable, right? You can, you can see the measurement there. I could get really subjective with my communication with a project manager and say, I feel like you're maybe missing some of your dates, or I feel like you could be, you know, working through this project a little faster, or I feel like you could be doing a better job, or I feel like you could increase quality, right? You, your communication, it needs to remain objective. And the best way to know that you're staying objective is can you communicate a measurement to that person as to, you know, their performance. And again, it could go both directions. Maybe it's great performance. Hey, you had five milestones since the last time I talked to you and you hit every single one of those dates, right? That's objective performance related feedback for that person. Right? Um, that's on the good side. You miss the dates. It's on the bad side, obviously, but uh, you got to be objective in your communication. You can't let this uh, become subjective because then that person doesn't know what to do with it. Right? Think about think about if I were sitting with you in a performance review and I said, I feel like you could probably work through this a little faster. What do you do with that? I, I, don't, I don't know how to change your feelings, right? I, I'm doing the best I can kind of thing, right? So if, you, if your communication is objective, if it's measurable, now that person can make some changes. Now they can do something with that feedback. Things that are measurable creates these goalposts for performance, in my view. It's people want to know that their performance is hitting the mark, not hitting the mark. And the best way to do that, or one of the best ways to do that, is to make something fairly discreet, fairly non-subjective, fairly, you know, if you can score a touchdown at seven points, I know every, every touchdown I score is seven points. So that's my goal. I'm going to go score more touchdowns and people operate the mind, the human mind, the way that we typically think and my belief is that people want to know what winning and losing is. People want to know mm -hmm. and understand what it takes to win and what, if I don't do these things. What does losing look like? It helps to find kind of the goalposts for performance. And people, I believe, want to have this kind of stake in the ground. People think of it in terms of, you know, if I achieve uh, a 100% of my goals, it means this. If I achieve 80% of my goals, it means this. If I achieve 150% of my targeted outcomes or, or performance or delivery percentage or revenue performance or, or project timelines and things. If, if I do it at a better than planned, it means this. And you can't measure everything perfectly, but you can measure most things. You can take a subjective, uh, warm, kind of fuzzy, feel-good statement, and you can put some goalposts around it and communicate it in a way that better defines performance wins versus losses. And when you do that, people then are moving toward an objective, toward an outcome. And then that enables you as a leader to provide very specific feedback that is ongoing, 
that allows them to calibrate is, oh, my performance is tracking towards that. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm falling a little bit short of that measure or that goalpost. And it allows this kind of micro calibration of the way people think and navigate their performance. And you as a leader, it helps you really frame that with them and all of the discussions that we know that you're doing and that Michael and I do with one-on-ones and, and the, the team and all the things that we've, that we've recommended that you do on this, on these podcasts, when you do all those things and you think about how to measure that, you're going to get a different outcome because you're going to have people that have clarity and understand expectation. And you're going to have the dialogue and the framework to talk about if they're achieving it, trending towards it, falling short of it and course correcting along the way. So I think um, when you do that, you you have a gr- much greater chance of winning as a team, much greater chance of being a valuable and a, a leader of consequence and the organization is going to do much better as a result. Yeah. yeah Steven, you know, you, you're not going to bring up a sport analogy that I'm not going to jump all over. I mean, you know, I'm all over those sports. Here it comes. Yeah, I'm all over those sports analogies. And I love what you talk about around people just want to understand what it takes to win. They want to understand what winning looks like and then what does it take to win? And in sports, the, the scoreboard is the most objective thing in the ballpark, right? Or the, or the stadium or the, you know, on the court, it is super objective, right? When you look at it, there is no question. I'm either winning or I'm losing, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't share with you feelings. It doesn't share with you emotions or anything. It just, it's objective. It's measurable. You're either winning or you're losing, but to support our first point that we made, how many teams do you think wait until the game is over to look at the scoreboard? None, never. They, they're constantly looking at the scoreboard because they want to know what is the current score? How much time do I have left? And all of that. So they're, they're very frequently, to go back to bullet point number one, they're very frequently looking at that objective scoreboard. So that they can make it, you know, course of corrections and adjustments. If 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 I'm looking on a regular basis at my scoreboard, if you will, my objective measures in my performance feedback, and I realize it's not good, well, then I'm going to make some course corrections. I'm going to make some changes to the way I'm performing, so that hopefully by the end of the game I'm winning. Right. So I love that sports analogy. I love the scoreboard analogy because it is very very objective. And you look at that scoreboard on a very frequent basis. And so utilize your performance reviews with your team members, much like a sports scoreboard. Now, third bullet point I want to share with our audience is this. Do not focus your communication on the person that you're giving this performance review. Instead, you want to focus your communication on the deliverables or the results or the behaviors, whatever it is that you're giving this feedback regarding, you've just got to make sure that your performance review feedback, your communication to that person is not about them specifically, right? You can't make them out to be a bad person. So don't use, you know, you never do this or you always do that. Uh, You want to make sure that it's about the results, the deliverables, the behavior sometimes. So again, maybe you have a a team member that uh, their exhibit you know, angry behavior a lot. Well, you don't want to get into this performance review and say, you're, you're just always angry. You're an angry person. No, you want to get in and get into that performance review and say, 
you're perceived, your behavior is being perceived as being angry when you raise your voice or when you do, right? You want to, you want to keep the focus on the behavior and not on the person. Cause, cause again, in this performance review communication, you can't make that person out to be a bad person. If you've got the flip side, you've got a rock star, got to be careful. You can't put them on a pedestal and, and, and make them feel as a person invincible, right? You got to talk their behavior or their results. The things you're doing, man, the discipline you have to stick to the schedule is great. You can't talk about them as a, you know, a great person in the sense that they get the big head and they, they feel like they become invincible and so forth. So just make sure your communication is not about the person. It's about the performance or the deliverables, results, behaviors, whatever it might be. Yeah, we talk about not using the words never and always. So I would say, how, how often does that happen in the world? It's, I hear it every day. I hear it every single day. And when you use the words never and always, especially in a performance review, you are using an emotional statement. It's emotional. Right. You've introduced emotion into the conversation. And then that tends to create a level of, of you know, I'm, I'm just tuning out now. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, this is now personal. And you're losing your leadership credibility when you use words like always and never. So you, you also want to not personalize this conversation. You don't want to make it personal. You're the greatest. Hey, Bob. Hey, Susie. You're the greatest leader or the greatest team member I've ever seen in my life. You're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You don't want to say that. Your point about, you know, this I don't know if you use the word ego or not, but you know, they're telling them they're the greatest thing ever. And then that inflates things. And then they begin that they can just take a step back and not have to perform at, at the level that they've consistently proven. And now right. their performance starts to, to go down. But by not making it personal, I think makes it personal because now it's really focused on their personal performance as opposed to the personality or the way they're a great guy or lady or the fact that you really, really like them and you connect well with them, all those are all positives. But when it comes down to this objectivity that we need to have in performance feedback, you can't let those other personal traits or attributes or characteristics that you may really feel as a, as a person mm-hmm. affect how you communicate the results as a leader. So those are key things to me and how I think about that. Uh, and sometimes your best performers can be people you connect best with because there's something there. There's some, there's some secret sauce, some magical something going on that allows that to work. But you've just got to recognize your place as a leader on that team and them and the performance that they have and making sure you communicate that consistently and make sure you balance Balance that with them so it doesn't, A, go to their head, and B, cause them to shut down. Those are kind of two extremes, but you just got to always be calibrating and managing through these things, and and you do that through the ongoing relationships that you have. Yeah, again, such good good points there, Stephen. I mean, to your point, when you when you start using the words never and always and, and those types of things, but also when you start to give feedback that is very personal in nature, then as a leader, you lose, you lose all credibility, but then you also lose 
all the coaching opportunity that's there, right? Once you make it personal about them or some failure on their part, or you, uh, you know, use some hyperbole like you're always this or never that kind of thing, then you lose the credibility and you lose the ability to then coach that person. So if it's a, if it's a poor performance situation, then hopefully as a leader, your goal is to coach them into good performance, right? But if you're going to give personal feedback, very personal, you know, targeted personally at them, or you're going to use hyperbole like always and never, you lose the coachability because they're not listening to you anymore, right? When If you're going to attack them in some personal way, and, and, and let it be known, to them, it feels like an attack. If you say something like, you're always late with your deliverables, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It feels like an attack on their side. And once they feel attacked, you're not going to coach that person beyond that point. Right? And so you as a leader lose all capabilities to coach them and lead them into better performance at that point. So that's why that communication is so important. So keep it frequent, keep it objective, and make sure that it's not personal. It's not about that person. It's about their deliverables, results, behaviors, whatever it might be. That's our three bullet points related to performance communications. Yeah, and I'd say don't over don't overcomplicate it. As a leader, you're listening to this, you're like, okay, there's like uh, 30 minutes of stuff I heard there. What, what's all that mean? It's not complicated. Don't overcomplicated because are you connecting with your people? Are you providing them ongoing feedback? Are you giving them things that they can improve on, reinforcing the things that they're doing well, having those conversations, minimizing any shock and awe, surprise? You can't go, if you go a month without talking to your team, to your team members, you should have something in your head going, we have a, Houston, we have a problem, right? Right. Really? Yes. And uh, in, in honor of, did you hear about the SpaceX going up next week with uh, the two astronauts? Oh, I did hear about that. Yes. Yeah, yes, so I heard about that. I figured that was a timely comment. So next week, yes. SpaceX is, for the first time since the last shuttle mission, is putting people into orbit from U.S. soil. I thought that's pretty cool. But it's the same thing. You can't, you can't shock people with silence. Silence right. is deafening when it comes to providing ongoing feedback that people on your team can use to make themselves perform at a higher level. You can't surprise folks by not giving them some feedback. So that would be my, my, uh, you know, takeaway there for folks just to think about and consider. Excellent stuff. Good stuff. How about we jump behind the scenes in an effort to make this that crisp well, no, we're already too late, day. man. It's exactly. <laughs> okay, oh, well. let's make it a crisp 40-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got going on behind the scenes there, Stephen? Yeah, so for me, just this past Friday, I was uh, honored to be a to be a, a keynote speaker for the, uh, I don't even know the title of it. It's a pretty long title, but it was a virtual summit with a friend of mine, Chuck Martin, who has a a drug testing company. So he he owns and, and started a drug testing company. He's a retired, uh, longtime police officer in the in the narcotics unit, things like that. So he has tons of experience with with drugs and and people who have been on drugs and all the characteristics and symptoms and and trials and tribulations that they go through. So he started his own company. I don't I think it was probably 12. 13 years ago. He's been doing this. He's been doing summits uh, in person, but this whole COVID thing that's come up has kind of changed the dynamic in the model that they've been using. So they went to a virtual summit. 
they had uh, put that on. So it was the first one that he did. It was on Friday. There were 10 speakers, nine of which were drug experts and people in the field that could speak to the implications of drugs in the workplace and symptoms and the way you can identify things and mitigation steps and all of these things. And I was kind of the, the oddball uh, there who spoke about leadership. So I had the first first address of the, the conference. I spoke about an hour about uh, leadership and used a lot of our analogies, Michael, that we talk about here on this podcast sure. around the golden rule and around, around um, you know, credibility and things like that. And so I had a really, a really good time doing that. I enjoyed it. I got positive feedback. I still picked out probably 25 things that I would love to do better about sure. it, but um, I'm a little critical of myself. You know, I kind of cringe, you, you know, when you put some content out there or you have a video or you have something and you hear yourself or you watch yourself, you're going, Ooh, ooh <laughs> just doesn't feel right. You know, but you know, all in all, I, I enjoyed it. And, and it's a learning opportunity right. for me. Just how do I get better? And you can't get better. Moral of the story is it's hard to get better unless you start putting yourself out there and learning as you go. Don't wait for all the lights to be on green. Go through some intersections to get started. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I'm, I'm definitely in that camp of, I can't stand to hear my own voice. Ooh. Can't stand it. Um, and so here we are doing podcasts you. and so forth. And, and I always listen to our podcast. I always cringe yeah. when, when I start talking <laughs> as well, though. Um, but also to your point about speaking and, and, um, I learned this a, a good while back and I try to adhere to it, but I, I find myself getting paralyzed by it at times. But, um, after a speech or, or after, even after a, a video that I might record a, some type of teaching video or a webinar or whatever, after the fact, I'll think to myself, there'll be five things, 10 things. Oh, I forgot to say this, or I forgot to point right. that out, or I forgot to say this. Um, and I had someone tell me many years ago. Don't worry about those things. The audience doesn't know that you forgot those things, right? And only you know yeah. you forgot those things. And, and so it just plays into the point that you make. Um, every time I record a video and I can immediately think of the three things I forgot to say, well, I could just trash that one and start all over. And sometimes I do. Um, you know, if it's important enough, sometimes I do. But I can't just wait till it's perfect and get and then get it out there. Uh, and then... It, with a with a live speech like the one you gave, you can easily allow that to paralyze you to the point where you just don't even do those kind of things. Um, but you're not. You're out there. You're getting out there. You forget a few things, so be it. Move on. Uh, to your point, don't wait till everything's perfect. Just get it out there. Uh, and yeah. it sounds like you guys had a had a really successful. Uh, what do you call it? It's I guess it's a virtual conference, yeah virtual guess, virtual right? summit and yeah. uh, Chuck. Okay. A friend of mine, Chuck, that put it on, you know, he, we had boxered back and forth with each other that day of, and he had slept in his office the night prior to sleeping bag oh, wow. and, you know, <laughs> it, you know, technology issues. And if you're using zoom yeah. or go to meeting or go to webinar or all these different things, not playing nice with the virtual summit software. And, the, you know, he was just, wow. he told me he learned so much about putting on a virtual summit that I bet, uh, I bet he did. we all, we all learned a ton and, you're right. It's it, if you wait for the perfect uh, video or perfect speech or perfect anything, you're never going to put anything out there because it'll never happen. I agree. You keep totally trying. Agree. You keep working towards that, but you just kind of say, you know, good is good enough, yeah. and just keep on trucking. 
Imagine if I decided not to record any podcast till I got rid of this Southern accent. Oh, man. I, I guess I just wouldn't be oh, my <laughs> recording gosh. podcasts. You know, I actually, I, I listened to a podcast. Was it, I don't know if it was, uh, oh, who was? I can't think of the person it was. Uh, but it was a podcast and it was about a, oh, it was on David Seitman Garland. He, he did a, he did a podcast episode, an interview with a, with a lady in Australia who was a, who was a, uh, accent teacher. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So she worked yeah. with actors and, and voice actors and regular actors in Australia. She was from Chicago. Her husband was Australian. She moved to Australia and, and she was in the acting business and all. So she created a course, an online course uh, after she did a lot of one-on-one coaching and consulting to teach Australian and that's a thick accent, right? Oh, okay. I, I can't right. even do it, it. It's so thick. Yeah. But one of my best friends in the world is Australian. And, and when I first met him, I couldn't understand a word he said for a while. <laughs> but she, t- she takes Australians with their, native, with their native accent and teaches them through her process, her step-by-step process, how to get an American accent. Wow. I, I mean, a tradition. I'm, now, Southern accent's not an American accent. That's a, I, I that's get a, it. <laughs> that's a different <laughs> accent. I don't know what you call that. But but she teaches them. I just find that funny how she takes people with a thick Australian accent, teaches them an American accent. That way they can come into the U.S. market and get acting jobs. Well, right? maybe I need to look this lady up. Yeah. You know, I get rid of this Southern accent. Maybe I'll have a little bit more confidence about yeah. my uh, communication skills. I don't think she like has those skills. She doesn't have the skills to get rid of a Southern accent. Oh, you know? maybe not. You're yeah. right. She could probably get, a, get rid of a... Uh, <laughs> An Australian accent, but not a Southern. Yeah, no, it's Southern is like a whole other level. It's just, it's just too thick. Yeah, too but, thick. Oh, cool. So, what's going on on your side? Uh, so, uh, I know last week we talked about uh, the the teamwork workshops and and stuff that I'm doing related to teamwork. And uh, I've had a number of people uh, that have taken the quiz at fourenemies.com. and I've gotten a lot of great feedback about the quiz. I've gotten feedback. You know, people have communicated with me after the fact and said, Hey, I think this is spot on. I think, you know, the quiz really identified some of the areas that my team struggles with. And, and, uh, so I've gotten a lot of really good feedback with that. I've gotten some, uh, some follow-up consultations related to that as well. Uh, and unfortunately I don't even have the whole thing completed yet, but I've got people that are, um, that are taking the quiz and agree with the feedback um, and still they're, they're, they are running into some dead ends still because I haven't finished every path through the quiz just yet. I hope to get that done this week. Um, but I've gotten a lot of really good feedback and it's re, re, uh, resulted in some consultations and all that, uh, you know, that was the goal is to, um, to get people to take the quiz, identify the enemy that, that their team is struggling with the most, and then offer up some some steps, some advice, some insight into how to defeat that enemy of their teamwork. Uh, and it seems to be serving people well. So I'm really happy to, to see that. I just need to get this thing finished up so that as people make their way through it, they don't run into these dead ends. But I'm happy to be getting that feedback and uh, that it is uh, delivering some results for folks. So yeah. that's that's my behind the scenes. Uh, I would encourage the audience, again, head over to fourenemies.com. That's with the number four, fourenemies.com. You can take that quiz. And I believe more so now probably than ever, it'll help you identify the enemy that uh, that is hindering your teamwork for, in your team. So, In another can, sports analogy, it's Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> I have some questions. Is that the way he says it? Not so fast? I think so. Yeah, I Lee think Corso, so. college so football yes. game day on ESPN. 
So a couple questions. So you're having people take the survey. How are you getting them into your survey? What traffic mechanism or, or how are you doing that? So I haven't yet. That, that's the probably the good thing. Also, uh, last week we talked about it on the podcast here. So a number of folks, obviously, that listened to our podcast went into it. Uh, and then, you know, I have the community. So I've kind of mentioned it to a couple of people in the community and, and they have taken it as well. You've taken it and, uh, and some others. Uh, but really at the moment, it's just been kind of those two um, promotion points. Uh, this podcast and the Credible Leadership Community is really the only two places where I've promoted it. Wow. I do okay. plan, once I finish it up, I do plan to kind of go all in with some ads and things like that to get some traffic. You're post it, have you posted it on link, LinkedIn yet? I have not. Wow, no. okay. No, but I, I, I will certainly do that. One thing I'd okay. tell you is look look into um, uh, Reddit. Look for a, sub, yeah, look yeah, for yeah. a subreddit uh, around that. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what you find in Reddit. I was, I never used, I heard about Reddit, never used it until not too long ago, buddy of mine told me, yep. you know, you should use it for these things. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I went in and I'm, you, you find, if you want to know about how people feel after they get hit in the head with a knife, just, just go look it up on Reddit. You'll find <laughs> a whole, Reddit, you'll, huh? you'll find a, a whole group around it. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Plus yeah. there's a, the, the R slash sample for all the surveys you can post and get feedback. Mm -hmm. There's all the subreddits around you. You will find, I'm sure several subreddits closely tied to that, to that niche where I'm sure you could get some uh, traction. And once you, you know, I see it as once you start to get enough feedback, you can start to correlate some of that data. Yes. You're really going to be able to hone in on, on how you can then, you know, put together the best package, the best offering for, for those, for those folks or teams or audiences. So I, I think that's a great thing. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. And you know, the quiz identifies the top enemy that you have of teamwork, but that's not to suggest at all that you don't struggle with the others as well. And so that's why follow-up is definitely necessary. Um, you can take some action to, to start to defeat the enemy that you're struggling with the most. But once you, once you do that, you're going to recognize the next enemy that you're, that you're also struggling with. And so that's why the follow-up, the consultation that I'm offering, that's so important is because um, good teamwork is never kind of that, you know, you don't have that one silver bullet that you just solve that and boom, teamwork is perfect. That's just never the case. Um, so uh, yeah, while I get you started with the quiz, a lot of follow-up is necessary to, to really get to the teamwork that you need. Yeah. Teamwork's like a marriage, right? You got to work. You got to, each side's got to put a lot of into it, a lot of effort. And sometimes you're going to have some rocky patches, but you work through it. The thing is you provide the, the, the detail and the methodology and the steps to get over those humps quickly and get back on track. So it's not about having problems. It, we all have issues all the time. That's life. That's being a, a person on this earth. But it's about what do you do to it? How do you respond to it? How do you get back on track and minimize the potential negatives that come out of that and get back on track so you can generate more positives? And I think that's what your program is going to do for folks. So it's really good stuff, my friend. Thank you, sir. Appreciate yep. that. You want to close this up? Yeah, sure. So uh, some call to actions here. Um, from a, per, a leadership uh, perspective, the performance review communications, remember, make do them frequently, make them objective, and make sure that they're not personal, right? You're, you're focused on the deliverables or results, behaviors, that type of thing. 
Uh, call to actions as it relates to this podcast. As always, head over to leaderpreneurshow.com, leaderpreneurshow.com. That's where you'll find the show notes for this particular episode and the show notes for every other episode, all 34 at this point. Um, for everything Stephen and all of his leadership activities, what did I call it? Like, oh, the portfolio site of all the things that are Stephen Faust. Head yes. over to stephenfaust.com. You'll find those there. And then for me, you can find everything I do at CredibleLeaders.com as well. Although you want to head over to FourEnemies.com. If you want to take that quiz, find out your enemy of teamwork, FourEnemies.com. That's the number FourEnemies.com. And then next week. So next week, we're leading into the month of June. And so Stephen and I are going to be sharing with you the theme of June. We're going to talk about self-care for leaders, self-care for leaders. And so next week, we're going to talk about physical self-care for leaders, why that's important, what does that look like for Stephen and me, and hopefully it'll help you as well. So be sure you tune in next week as we talk about self-care for leaders. And until we speak again from Stephen and I both, be blessed and lead well.